I mean, you're better off watching Mayor Quimby from The Simpsons than you are this guy. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. So you lie to yourself to be happy. There's nothing wrong with that. We all do it. We all go a little mad sometimes. Come on. One of you nuts has got any guts. Let's put a smile on that face. You're only as healthy as you feel. Listen to me! Listen to you by what right? Because I have a right to be. I have a voice! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Pop Culture Case Study. Yeah, let's do it. I'm pumped. Let's let the healing begin. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Pop Culture Case Study, where we analyze pop culture from a psychological angle. And this week, uh, as we mentioned on our review of La Vie and Rose, we're taking a look at Jackie because it's another female biopic. And actually, to do that, I have the exact same guest. I actually just got done editing that episode, because so I'm a little sick of hearing your voice. But Jameson, welcome back. <laughs> Whoa, thanks a lot. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm starting to feel like so, like a minor league pitcher who gets keeps getting called up for spot starts, and I'm just hoping to crack the big league lineup with you. Well, you should know, like, if I start treating you like this, you're basically a co-host because this is how <laughs> I treat Mike too. So you're you're getting there. You're <laughs> you're high on the list. Uh, so uh, before we jump into the movie, why don't you tell people briefly about your podcast and where they can find it? Sure. Uh, you can find, uh, I have a podcast that I host called Movie Mojo Monthly uh, with my buddy Brian. Uh, we, every month, we, just like it says in the title, we talk about the big movies of the month. Um, of course, we just talked about Rogue One and that. I also host a podcast with a friend and uh, documentary filmmaker named Jason who uh, called Real Films. Uh, we talk about documentary films uh, and uh, good ones, bad ones, ones you should check out. I also host a uh, movie review television show called Real Reviews. That sound right? Yeah, Real Reviews. <laughs> the titles are too similar. When I made yeah, when I real movies, movie, real reviews. What <laughs> I made a huge error in judgment when I did this, but uh, Real Reviews. We uh, every week we um, uh, we talk about all the movies that came out that week, and uh, that you can find it on YouTube if you search Real Reviews. So that's what I got. Okay, sounds good. So uh, another reason we're doing Jackie this week is I don't want to go through the shitty movies that uh, come out in late December, early January. So what we're doing kind of leading up to the Oscars and our own award show is I'm just every week picking a movie that looks like it is an Oscar hopeful. Uh, we missed Fences last week because, you know, Christmas makes recording a little a little bit difficult, uh, but this week we're taking a look at Jackie, which is, of course, getting a lot of publicity, I think, uh, of course, for Natalie Portman for Best Actress, and a little bit maybe for Best Director, Best Cinematography in there, too. Maybe costume design wouldn't mm -hmm. surprise me if that popped up. So uh, having seen Jackie now, we talked about we were both excited for it last week. So uh, did this live up to expectations for you? Mm, not really. <laughs> no, I, and and I went in with guarded expectations for this, um, but I was really more excited than anything to for for Natalie Portman's portrayal of Jackie, and you know I've been hearing a lot of buzz about it, and oh she's a lock, and oh she's incredible, and I really enjoy Natalie Portman. I think she's a <laughs> very very good actress, right. and I thought that she was really in and out of this role throughout the movie. There was a lot of this mm -hmm. movie where I was just watching Natalie Portman. Hmm. And and some of it where she did seem to fall into the Jackie role, but I think that um, we'll get into a little more. But I think that she was kind of betrayed by the the storytelling and the way this movie was put together, 
it made yes. me realize I was watching actors act uh, almost the entire movie. Yeah. So actually, that's something I want to bring up. I do think actually Natalie Portman did a really good job. I was actually really impressed with her. And there's there's not a lot of this is not a forgiving movie to yeah. be Jackie. Like, I mean, literally, I know the movie is called Jackie, but literally just about 90 percent of the scenes, it's her face in the center of the screen and that's it. So, (laughs) you know, there's not, there's not a lot of room for covering up mistakes. Right. Um, But I think the biggest issue I actually had with this movie were a lot of the directorial choices. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things they do is they do a lot of kind of mixed media presentation here where they have a bunch of actual film from the days of the event. And then they mix it up and have her in that same scene. So you're constantly comparing uh, you're comparing her performance to who Jackie really was. And I think yeah. that's why you probably get those moments of like, oh, these are actors acting. Yep, and I think absolutely. it especially comes true when you have someone like JFK or even Bobby Kennedy in the movie where they picked actors who look nothing like them and oh, sound man. nothing like them. And you can't you can't have a, JF, a movie with JFK in it and not – have that accent and that intonation. I mean, you're better off watching Mayor Quimby from The Simpsons <laughs> than you are this guy. I mean, I thought that the guy that they got to play JFK had a passing resemblance, especially in profile and as yes. little as he was used. Okay, that's fine. But I love Peter Sarsgaard, but Same. he looks nothing like Bobby Kennedy and never attempted an accent. It's so the entire time I'm having to remind myself, okay, he's Bobby Kennedy. <laughs> right. And he's, I think the Bobby. movie knows that because like over and over again, someone says his name. <laughs> like yeah, exactly. throughout the movie. Like and you never hear I don't think you ever hear Jackie except when she says it to another character. Like you can call me Jackie. Right. Now. You know, that's the only time you hear it because she's so iconic and Natalie Portman does such a better job. Uh, <laughs> than Peter Sarsgaard. And I'm in the same camp. I'm a big fan of his. I like him in most things. Uh, but this was not one of them. And it's it's upsetting because a lot of it's due to accent work or lack thereof. There is a specific scene in the movie where he talks about everything they could have accomplished. And now we're mm-hmm. just seen as the pretty people. And I thought that was a really excellent scene, really well written, really well acted but yeah. you're constantly taken out of it because that doesn't look or sound like Bobby Kennedy. Like it's not – we're not far enough away from it that we can we can forgive that so easily. Right. Yeah, these are still icons. I mean that's kind of one of the big things about this movie is legacy. Legacy is a huge topic in this movie and her protecting – JFK's legacy and what is our legacy and it left and what is her legacy and so a lot of it is that and they do have a huge legacy the Kennedy name still to this day and so yeah this was 50 years 50 plus years ago but still you you know what Bobby Kennedy looks and sounds like you know what John Kennedy looked and sounded like and so it does stand out even LBJ I mean, it was they like, even mention it in the movie. There's this whole idea of like things are written down so we know them. And she says, well, we have television. Yeah. Like, and you're like, did you not pay attention to your script? We have television. We know what JFK <laughs> looked and sounded right. like. So you can't just, I mean, I think you have two choices. You either have someone who looks and sounds a lot like him, or you just go totally the different direction and don't even try. And you just depend on the actor's portrayal to get you there. But this seemed to just take these half measures and be like, well, I kind of looks like him and it kind of sounds like him and he's not in it that much so whatever and that just came off as really lazy and i think honestly of all 
the kind of Oscar hopefuls, this was one of the worst directed of the bunch. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's terribly directed, but when you compare it to these other movies coming out, like a movie I just saw recently, like Lion, which is a much better, yes. much better film and much better directed. And this just, it felt like, it felt like he was still in film school. Like it felt like, well, I want to try all these things. So I'm going to do I have, it. I have big issues with Pablo Lorraine as a director coming into this. Mm-hmm. Um, and this I saw, didn't help? <laughs> no, I saw one of his more recent movies, uh, The Club, which uh, mm. I saw this past year at our film festival, and it had a lot of buzz about it. And it was one of the more disturbing films I've seen in a while, and it felt like he was reveling in making the audience yeah. uncomfortable. And That there were, surprises me zero. That's, yeah, there were, that's about right. I mean, there were scenes, really graphic scenes of torturing animals that he continued to go to mm. and Pass. just kind of fun with. <laughs> And and after a while, and not only that, but there was repeated scenes about molesting children, and it was and since it's subtitled, you're reading it as an audience, which is right. a little more impactful. I think we talked about that yeah. with Lip and Rose as well. When you're reading it, it there's there's a little something, uh, an extra dynamic to it. And he continued to repeat those same scenes, and after a while, it's like you're just doing this for your own the, your own sake. There's there's this isn't for the audience anymore, right. and so I. I come in with a little like I don't trust him as a director. He doesn't have my best interest at heart. Yeah, and, yeah, and and this movie was it, it showed his flaws. Right. Yeah. And I had never seen another one of his films, but I had high expectations because, like I said, I mean, not a lot of buzz about him as a director for uh, Oscar contention, but a little bit, uh, especially when this movie first came out in the uh, in the festivals. I think this may be another one of those cases of festival fever where you see, you know, 25 movies in three days. And you're like something that wasn't shit. Oh, my God. It's amazing. <laughs> I've fallen uh, subject to that many yeah, times. <laughs> it happens. I think, honestly, the best thing about Natalie Portman's portrayal uh, and something I really liked is they show these drastic differences between her in the White House and in the public eye and when she's talking um, to the journalist, to Billy Crudup, who I also thought was kind of in – it's an undervalued performance in this movie, but I really liked his performance a lot. And I thought their interactions were actually my favorite part of the movie. I thought everything else was kind of like these 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 moments are so well known and have been so captured that it's hard for it to have a true effect on me. But that Jackie O, the one that nobody knew, the one that was in private, who was constantly controlling the situation, I thought that was really interesting. Like yeah, all I, those I, all those discussions about like you know, like, are you going to let me print that? Like, no, because I didn't say it right after she said it. And I was like, this, I want this story. Like, if you just told yeah. me, if, if we just saw this interview, you know, from front to back and we had an hour and 20 minutes of this, I'd be much more interested than this going back and forth. You see, it's a mixed media presentation. I don't know where I am. I don't know who these people are, except for, of course, you know, Jackie, JFK and Bobby. But everyone else, you're kind of like, why are they here? When, you know, same problem we had with Livian Rose, actually, where it was like, uh, we're jumping around a lot and I'm not actually sure of my footing in this movie. Absolutely. Yeah, I thought that was a really a nice grounded part. Um I, I, I like that. Like you say, I like that interaction between them is she would give him something that he wanted and then take it back immediately. Yep. Like, here's something that you you probably have been dying to hear, but guess what? You're not getting it. Sorry. <laughs> you know, and, and, yeah. And I yeah. Like, I like the, the, how Billy Crudup, I like how his journalist kind of just took it and he, he wasn't afraid of her. Um, right. You know, he, I, I liked their chemistry and their dynamic. It, it's just the fact that this movie kind of spun around on multiple axes through right. all these flashbacks. And the, you know, you get one story 
as she's talking to John Hurt, the, the, the you know, the old priest, and she's kind of telling him things. The only one the who can of... keep an accent for the whole movie, by the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> John Hurt, his <laughs> Irish accent. Thank God. <laughs> he did all right. You know, and, and so, I, you know, you have that, and then you have all these weird flashbacks. And, I mean, there's flashbacks within flashbacks during this. Yeah. And I... it's it, it just feels really – it feels really sloppy in parts. Yeah. I mean, I think actually you're hitting on what my biggest disappointment in this movie is. And we kind of talked about this at the end of the last episode. We were talking about – I like the idea that it looks like it's going to be a tight story. It's going mm-hmm. to be just this moment in time. And it is just that moment in time. But like you said, it's spinning on 12 different axes through – I mean this movie feels really long. It's only like an hour and 37 minutes. Oh. But I could have sworn it was two and a half. Like it is – it's kind of a beast to get through because you're going in so many different directions so quickly. And most of them, frankly, are completely unnecessary. I, I think a big part of it is that that the director, you know, you're you're focused on a small window of time, basically, for a movie about Jackie. This is really focused on a you know a, a three day window for the most part, mm-hmm. and and I think that he felt he didn't have enough there to fill a movie. It was what it felt like. It's like, well, if I chop the story up a whole bunch of little pieces and then just kind of jumble them around, it'll <laughs> feel like more because right. you're jumping back and forth. If I tell more of a linear story, it's going to go by too quick. And, and, and there was, I, I appreciated some of the things he did. Like there were some really stark visuals in this movie. Yes. And Visually I mean, it's the, beautiful. I mean, there's the no scene of her that. washing the blood out of her hair. Oh. That's powerful. I mean, there's the, and the you, scene you of can, her walking around, trying on all the gowns. Yes. I mean, just, I mean, there's some moments where it's, her loneliness is palpable as she walks back into the white house after this and right. realizes this is the Camelot that I worked so hard to build. And now there's other people waiting at the door to get in. Right. I've got to move on. This isn't home anymore. And you can feel that loneliness and it, and it really is strong. And then there's other things that betray that. I thought the musical choices were oh, horrible. horrible. I mean, there was some, they really, they really roughed up some scenes that could have been more powerful yeah. Because you had to drop in these odd musical cues. Yeah, it's. I mean, this is what I mean about how it felt like it felt more like a student film than it did a professional film. Like, and usually I, I've said over and over again in this show that I don't notice music unless it's really good or really bad. And I noticed music here and it ain't because it was really good. <laughs> like, it was just like if you want to and it's in all the trailers that that, you know, piercing kind of downbeat, not only Camelot, but this piercing note when something oh, yeah. horrible is happening. And if you want to do that once or twice, fine. But if you're doing that six times in 90 minutes, like, OK, I, I get it. Like, you're you're not Christopher Nolan uh doing inception like let's just <laughs> right. simmer down uh, i think he fell in love with that though that he really that did is kind of like all right we have to have this precursor to doom note play like it's a movie time. about jackie during the assassination of her husband of course there's doom it's like the whole <laughs> fucking point like come on guys like it's not that hard <laughs> um the only other thing i want to mention before we jump to spoilers is i think actually one of my other favorite performances here is greta gerwig uh, yeah. Playing Nancy, who is kind of Jackie's assistant, and I actually thought their relationship was the most real relationship in the film. And Greta Gerwig is almost unrecognizable yeah. in that hair and makeup and costume, but she, I think she plays a really important part in this film of grounding Jackie and making her seem more like a real human being. You know, she's the one who coaches her through, like, what do I tell my kids? How do I act? How do I? How do I? How do I bring these people into the White House on this tour? And 
every moment that she's on screen, it, it really solidifies this as this is a human story, whereas everything else, because it's so iconic, it's just like, well, it's American royalty. Isn't that interesting that the two characters that we both really enjoy are the two that you don't know, the two not famous people, the two people yeah. that really ground the character yep. because they're they're circus for us almost. They're the everyday person. Right. And I mean, yeah, they're not iconic, so you can't really judge them against anything. But yeah, right. I agree. Greta, Greta Gerwig is great uh, in most things she does, and this yeah. is no no difference. Absolutely. So before we jump to source, I just want to say, like, we spent a lot of time trashing some of the movie and mm-hmm. liking some of the movie. I would still recommend people see it. Like, I don't think it's a bad film, and I think it's worth it for those two or three performances, especially Natalie Portman. I think there's a reason she's getting Oscar buzz. She is a really talented actress, and I think mm-hmm. she does as good of a job as anyone could at embodying such an iconic female figure so it was you know uh, i think it's worth seeing what about you yeah no i agree i mean i think she did the best that anyone could be expected to do with what was here and i think there are some powerful moments in this movie and i and i i I did enjoy it i walked out you know kind of thinking about some things i was just i was hoping for more i was you know i was expecting a little more with the buzz but i would still definitely recommend seeing it nice all right so let's jump to spoilers spoilers what read ahead spoil all the surprises not peeking at the end. Isn't traveling with you one big spoiler? That's classified. That's what? It's classified. I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. So one thing you mentioned uh, is this whole Camelot fucking nonsense. <laughs> uh, so, all right, it's fine. The the I get it. Like I know that that's how the Kennedys were described. Uh, but I felt like they hit this not just a little too hard, but way too hard. Well, they uh, did that in the trailer though. I mean, they mentioned Camelot in yeah. the trailer twenty times. Yeah, I mean, you know it going in. Then she's playing the music during that very moving scene, and yeah. that really works. And then she brings it up again with uh with the uh the journalist, and that mm-hmm. also works. And that's actually where I thought the movie should end. When mm-hmm. she said, you know, there there once was a Camelot. And I thought, like, roll credits and I'm actually pretty happy here. But yep. they kept going and then they bring it up again with the priest. Like, and it's the, – the reason they do it, I think, is to show that she's constantly in control and she's constantly molding the the picture of herself and the picture of her family. But I feel mm-hmm. like that theme was hit so hard in the movie. Like, uh, if you didn't get that by now – I don't know what to tell you. Like, I just was, it was just too much. And I was just like, and I think they played the song through the ending credits too. I was like, guys, like, I know you want this to be iconic and to really represent American Camelot, but you, you did it already. You could just pump the brakes a little bit. Especially because I thought that the best parts of this film were, I mean, it was obvious that she was very controlling of what, she wanted to be remembered and she fought for her legacy. She fought for a lot of, I mean, the way that it was explained, you know, how she spent so much time and money molding the white house and buying things for the white house and kind of the constantly reference, you know, how she was going to bankrupt the country with, she liked the legacy of the president, the legacy of her husband. But I thought that the strongest moments and the strongest themes in the movie were when it focused on, her as a woman, you know, she was, she right. and JFK were the face of our nation for a long time. But I thought that when it really focused that she was, she was just a young wife who had suffered tremendous loss, right. the loss of two children, a husband who was famously unfaithful to her. And then ultimately a very public tragedy. 
at a very young age. And when, when it focused on that part of her, I said, yes, this is what I want. Right. And to constantly be reminded like, oh, but it was Camelot. It was Camelot. Yeah, yeah I know that. We all know that part. I want to see the Jackie behind the the the, the Camelot. Right. Yeah. You you're really painting the you know just pumping frosting onto this thing when I really want to get to the meat of this thing. Right. Yeah. It's interesting you bring up the whole like kind of JFK cheating on her famously. I thought the one of the things that one of the few things I think the script did really well because I don't think it's a great script at all. There was kind of a subtle mention of that. But they they didn't they didn't dive into it. Like she had some line about him being he tempted. Walk into the desert alone to be tempted by the devil. Right. And but he always comes back to his family. And I thought, yeah. oh, what a nice way to to deal with that. You know, I was I was actually pretty impressed with the subtlety of that moment because this is not a subtle movie in any way. <laughs> what did you think of uh of kind of their filming of the actual assassination of JFK? It was fine. It was kind of what I was expecting from from Pablo Lorraine. He likes to show it. You know, right. he wants you to see the blood. He wants you to see everything. Um, and so it, it was It was basically as I was expecting it. You know, you're going to see the head wound. You're going to see all that. I thought it was the reactionary shots that I really liked, the reactionary mm. shots of Jackie standing there. The one scene that really got to me the most, and it and part of me appreciates how, how it affected me, and part of it is like, well, you, you took basically a, a, a famous snapshot and just recreated it. And that is the surreal moment of the swearing in of LBJ. Yeah. On the plane in Dallas, Jackie standing next to him, still covered in her husband's blood, the president dead in a box on the other side of the wall of the plane. Right. And that whole surreal moment as you're watching it play out, I'm like, yeah, wow, that is pretty wild. But it also is, you just recreated a famous moment and, you know, right. I could go and watch the real moment. Um, but the actual assassination attempt, I, you know, I, I thought it was fine. It kind of, it kind of came out of nowhere though, didn't it? Yeah. I mean, I think it's one of those things where you, as a director, you can't win here because right. people are expecting it. You can't have a movie about JFK's death without, you know, showing Dallas like that's, that's mm. going to happen. Uh, but I don't know, to me, it just felt unnecessary, like the kind of blood and gore aspect of it. Like I wasn't disgusted by it, but I was like, this isn't necessary because I think we got that emotion of the moment earlier in the film when she tells the journalist what it was like right? about her, like, you know, trying to hold his head together. That's been blown apart by a gun. I mean, it's, it's really affecting. I actually found that it wasn't necessary. So when it happened, my reaction was kind of like, well, here we go. Like, I guess, I guess you got to do this, you know, which is not the reaction they think they were hoping for. And I think that's why they held it until the end of the film was yeah. they were like, okay, we're going to make you wait for this. Cause you sickos, this is what you want to see. So here you go. Wait for an hour and a half and you get to see it. <laughs> One thing that was interesting to me, and this is just a, uh, an experience I had in my audience. I, I think we are, we are so far away from the royalty that was the Kennedys because fame has become, you know, you're famous for being famous at this point, right? Yeah. Uh, right. So, and it's very different. Like we, my wife and I were in the movie and there was a woman three seats to our left who cried from the opening scene to the closing. Oh my. And she was, I mean, she was old enough to have lived through Kennedy's yeah. assassination. I, and I, I didn't, you know, I wanted, I didn't want to be a jerk and like leer at her and be like, oh, what's going on here? But it was very interesting to me that mm. there was a time in our culture that people were so revered that just yeah. the sight of them on screen again would drive someone to tears. I mean, I thought that was really interesting. We don't really have that kind of culture anymore because it's so disposable. 
See, I had an interesting uh, experience when I went to go see this. The uh, you know the movie opens black screen, a little uh, narration to open the movie mm-hmm. real quick, and uh, we're in a packed house, and two ladies showed up. My the favorite way, my favorite way of showing up to a movie late and loud. Oof. Um, and they come walking in. It's black screen, and the one lady, they're both in their probably mid fifties, and the one lady announces very loudly so everyone can hear. It sure be nice if they turn a light on around here. <laughs> oh, nice! Fuck you. The movie started. You so, were late, asshole. So now they're they're after their twenty jackets. minutes of trailers. You can really yeah, exactly. And so they're getting their jackets off, being noisy. They sit down, and then the her friend's phone goes off. Oh. And I was so proud of this theater that I was in. The entire crowd turned on two people. <laughs> And suddenly it was us versus these two ladies. And there's one guy going, you better be turning that off. And the guy next to me, because they're like over my left shoulder, one row behind me, over my left shoulder. The gentleman next to me turns around, goes, that thing better be getting turned off. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they're quiet throughout the entire movie, which I was fully expecting craziness out of them. (laughs) They're fine through the entire movie. But the moment it fades to black, I mean, the first title card hadn't come up for the for the credits and the one lady stood up and announced to everyone well that was sad (laughs) what did you expect what were you expecting yeah see i just had the crying people and the sleeping people to my left people were crying to my right people were snoring so i don't don't know what that says about the movie maybe it's for certain people and not others but there you go all right uh good so uh one more time why don't you let people know how they can contact you online uh you can find me Find all the stuff that I put up. Just find me on Twitter, at Jameson Rabbit. Uh, I've got links to all my garbage that I put up right there. Hello, I'm Andrew. And I'm Bernadette, and we're the AB Film Review. We're a weekly film review and discussion podcast from Perth, Western Australia. We're a married couple who like to spend our Saturday evenings avoiding reality by discussing and often arguing about the latest films and some classics. And getting closer to divorce. Uh, you can find us on the Podrose Network at podrose.com, also on Twitter at AB Film Review, Facebook AB Film Review, and our website abfilmreview.com. That's a lot of babies. That's it. All right, hi everyone. It's time for fangirl fixation with brit it does still exist brit is back he tried to get rid of me i tried but she just she she keeps popping up now i got sexy cold voice that's right yes so brit is recording even though she is deathly ill and has no energy so do not that's why he brought it to the couch that's right had to do it that and the christmas tree is on our kitchen table i don't think that counts as a christmas tree anymore it's just christmas death yeah so all right cool all right, um, so on this episode, uh, Jameis and I just talked about Jackie. Did you have anything you wanted to say about Jackie since you saw it with me and loved every second of it? Oh, God. So, costuming was great. Yep. And you kind of have to. Like, she's such a fashion icon. You can't, you yeah. can't fuck that up and no, make it yeah, called Jackie. No, really, yeah, I really liked what they did with the costuming. It was pretty on point. Um, Speak. I'm trying. I'm really, <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to think of something else that was good. I mean, Natalie Portman was good. good. <laughs> Just um, like, did you have any thoughts on it? I, I don't know what I was expecting, but not that. Not that. No. Yeah. It, was it too artsy? Too weird? Like, what was the? I don't think we need that many hours on something. It was only like an hour and a half. Really? Yeah, it's an hour and thirty-seven minutes. 
God, I felt it was like past two hours. You feel okay. every second of that runtime. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, that's even more awful. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, um, the, the timeline of it was really weird. Like the bouncing back and forth between the time frames and not really explaining it. It feels like one of those movies that maybe you get it more if you see it twice. I don't. I don't think I want to see it twice. No, but you know what I mean with movies so that bounce I around think, like that. Yeah, like, but I think like that uh, that says a lot about what somebody did. If I'm not willing to watch it a second time to understand it a little more, fair enough. You're like, I will not waste another 97 minutes on this fucking bullshit. I'm done. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, if we could, so it sounds awful, but if we could cut out all the flashbacks and just have the section where she's doing the interview with the reporter, yeah, with Billy Crudup's character, that was yeah. that was really entertaining for me, like right. seeing that side of her and that representation. But mm-hmm. it, yeah, but that's it. Yeah, so we did discover um, because of this that uh, I have a telltale sign of when I'm done with the movie. Yeah, she asked me. She asked me to turn on my watch and ask me what time it is. I'm like, oh shit, it's that bad. <laughs> Which apparently the last time that happened was the Jack Reacher Jack sequel. Jack Reacher never go back. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, so that's the level. Not quite Oscar level for Brett. I don't think oh, this makes God. her 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 shortlist for best picture. No. So. All right, um, so now we get to talk about the three movies that are coming out, even though we won't be here to talk about it, and I'll talk about talk about that more at the at the very end of the recording. Uh, but the first one is A Monster Calls. Um, so what did you think of this trailer, Britt? Uh, I don't know. I think, I think with uh, personal things going on lately that I don't have much patience mm. for these kinds of movies anymore right um especially like the especially with things dealing with grief right i don't like i just don't so i'm i think i think if i was in a different place mentally that i would be more interested in this movie mm. um because it has like that very like um bridge to terabithia and mm, sure like fantasy fantasy to feel sure. to it and like the crossing over with the child imagination which i usually enjoy but right now i just get irritated whenever that trailer shows up yeah i'm i mean i saw that trailer for the first time god it feels like six months ago now it's been around for a while because it's made kind of the festival circuit uh, and some people were like losing their mind about it saying it's amazing best thing ever and there's two things i don't like in movies, almost always. One is movies with um, a kid as the main character, because kids are shitty actors. <laughs> but they are. They're terrible. Uh, because they haven't experienced anything yet. It's not their fault. They might be good actors someday, but, but not yet. And the other thing is movies that seem like they're just built to extract tears. Like, yeah. that's the whole point of this, is to make you cry. And that doesn't interest me. I'm more interested in movies that are more well-rounded and have moments of emotion, where this just looks like... 98 minutes of just crying like it's all about grief and i'm not that interested yeah i just i no i don't care right now (laughs) awesome all right uh so that movie uh stars felicity jones as dying mother i'm sure i I assume that's what it says in the cast it's just that should that should just be the credit like that should be the name and sigourney weaver as the grandmother for some reason who apparently is evil bitch yeah she 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 but plays that well. She I mean, does. Be real. Yeah, yeah, I believe it. And, uh, and Liam, of course, Liam doing Neeson everything. Voice. And that's honestly the only thing that interests me is his voice performance. Because he's got a great voice. 
and it and it works for that for like a monstrous character. It would also be interesting to see the emotion that comes out of him in a movie about grief, considering that's why he does so much work now. Oh yeah, I mean because of the shocking death of his wife. Yeah, I mean years ago at this point now, but I mean he's he's kind of said in interviews like I'm doing this to avoid at least right when it happened like I'm doing this to avoid feeling this like I need, it doesn't seem like he slowed busy. down so it no he just he just I mean he's one of those guys it's interesting because he's still pretty well respected mm-hmm. in Hollywood but that guy will do anything oh yeah like just like give me a script I'll I'll do it it's fine yeah um so the next movie is Hidden Figures um, which is based on a true story this team of African-American women who uh, worked at NASA and helped with the mathematical data that they needed to launch the first successful uh, space mission. Uh, so this stars Taraji P. Henson, uh, Octavia Spencer, uh, Janelle Monet, and uh, Kevin Costner, of all people. Um, so what did you think of this trailer? I'm actually really excited for this movie. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Okay. I mean, so I tend to like, I, I guess this can't, technically be considered a period piece but it kind of is oh i think it definitely is well yeah. normally when somebody says a period piece they mean something that's not the 60s yeah but i um, think at this point i mean think about it that was almost 60 years ago yeah that's, that's true. fucking period piece like, yeah. that's... but i mean i'm i'm excited that for once there's going to be a movie that is going to be about women mm-hmm. um that aren't and, white yeah, and, women and color, it's yeah. not a comedy right because normally when I mean, you see... I there'll be comedic moments for There sure. will, yeah. Right. But most of the time when you're seeing, like, at least in, I feel in the last year, mm-hmm. that if it's a female-led cast, it's something like... like bad Moms. Yeah, like Bad Moms. Or um, Amy Schumer's latest movie. Oh, yeah. What's, what was that called? Hmm. Trainwreck. Oh, yeah. That's it. I was like, yeah. Hot Mess? No. No, well, I mean, she that's... was... But I mean, I think I think that's like in the last year or two that when women are in lead roles for something where it's focused on them, it's it's comedy right. and like how much of a mess they are. And I think this is going to be a really good movie that shows the strength that women have. And mm. I also like, and intelligence, right? Which yeah, you don't get that often. Yeah. So these are these are going to be smart women and smart, not white women, <laughs> right? Which I mean, we don't even get too many movies with smart white women either anymore. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely different. I always worry about, you know, any movie based on a true story, like, it's it can yeah. always, like, go through the tropes that we always see, and I don't know how much I want to see that, but I do like, I do like the three, the three leads, Yeah, and it's something at least that interests me, you know? And I'm glad that we're finally getting a movie about a mathematician that's not a white male. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Because it's that's... not a beautiful that's, mind. Yeah. Yeah, which, and that movie sucks, so this is going to be better than that, almost guaranteed. All right, uh, so the last movie, uh, a true, true classic, obviously. <laughs> Underworld Blood Wars, which of course stars Kate Beckinsale once again. And I'm so torn on Kate Beckinsale because she's so pretty, but she's such a shitty actress. Like, she's just bad. Um, she was in a movie earlier this year, Love and Friendship, that she's getting kind of accolades for. Like, it's supposed to be really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything else, like, she's just, I mean, she just wouldn't. Like, there's not much to her. Half the time, I don't even realize she's in a movie. And you're better off for it. <laughs> I mean, so Underworld is a franchise that's one of those that, like, despite its worst efforts, they keep getting made. Like, it's just, like, I don't know how these movies make money. They make Resident Evil look like Oscar winners. Like, oh, the first man. Underworld was fine. It's totally disposable. It's not good, but it's enjoyable in its badness. And this like, stupid franchise started the term lichen. 
Yeah. <laughs> and even the first time I saw that movie, I was like, Moss? Really? Lichen? <laughs> that's, that's what we're doing? I was like, oh, like lycanthropy. Okay, I guess. Uh, it's a bit of a stretch, guys. Which yes. also, that's a disease that has to do with not just wolves. Right. Can anybody read? Anyone? No. What? We're t- no. Reading. God, okay. now I'm thinking about Supernatural. Stop it. Nope. Don't. We're not going there. Uh, that's a whole different thing. I'm going to go there. <laughs> um, it's my section. But yeah, this movie, uh, we saw the trailer. Uh, I And I told you, I don't know how many of these movies there are. So what, I have no what, idea. So what this has basically told me is that I'm in charge of making Dave watch awful movies. Yes. And yes. then Dave's in charge of supposedly and, and making we'll me watch good too. movies. We'll get to that at the end of this. Hold that thought. Um, so what did you think of the trailer in particular, though, for Underworld? What's it called? Blood Wars? But I, yeah. I already. See? I think so. Blood Wars. Okay, good. Oh, yeah. Yes. Jesus. <laughs> um, was there anything memorable to you? Like anything good, anything bad? Or is it just kind of lay there like Kate Beckinsale? Well, see, and so the funny thing is, is the these movies are never about Kate Beckinsale for me. It's always about, like, the other actors in it. Normally, like, you the... like old white guys. That's yeah. why. So Charles Dance from uh, Game of Thrones fame yeah. is kind of taking the Bill Nye yep. role. Right? Yep. So that's what you're interested in? Yep. Oh, Jesus. Also, the guy who's you playing so, Marius is kind of hot. You are so predictable. <laughs> that I was like, old white guys. Oh, of course. <laughs> old white guys with accents. That's Yeah. It's like your kryptonite. And he's like covered in velvet and leather. Let's do this. So the guy playing Marius is somebody named Tobias Menzies. Apparently. Yes, him. Okay, so he's the only reason why I was watching Outlander originally, and now I'm kind of upset because... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, he was on Game of Thrones, too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's he's the jerk-off brother. Yeah, yeah. I guess, like, this movie looks like a piece of shit. Like, I can't even... I can't even pretend to be excited about this. Like, nothing about this. Like, even even looking at beautiful Kate Beckinsale, I'm like, eh. We're going, we're going. See, this is this is the game you play. Um, I I have heard you say this about many terrible movies, and we see like one out of ten of those because you're like, nah, fuck it, I don't, I'm <laughs> tired, I'm not doing that this week, and then it's out of theaters after three weeks because they're shit. Yeah, but I still make you watch it at some point. I'm fine with watching it at home for sure. <laughs> Oh man, there's so many good movies out. Why do you want to see Underworld? Okay, just give me one reason why you want to see Underworld, Blood Wars. It has nothing to do with an accent. Because I want to watch your face in pain. Oh, see, this truth <laughs> comes out. It's Sausage Party all over again. Okay, Sausage Party. I now, did don't not defend even yourself. No, you wanted to see it, and we. Saw I did. It. But the whole thing was is that Sausage Party I was supposed to go to with somebody who equally wanted to see it with me, and then you got drug along. That was not my fault. I did not intend for you to have to go through that. <laughs> uh, it would have been so much better if it had just been me and that other person, because then like both of us could have been like, well, we never had to tell anybody how awful could've this was. Could have walked out. Exactly. Well, yeah. No, we wouldn't have. I thought about it. <laughs> Fucking terrible. All right, um, so those are the movies coming out uh, this week, Um, and as you can tell, I didn't mention uh, what movie we're covering, because we're not covering a movie, and we'll get to that in a minute, but before we talk about that, there is going to be a new part of Fangirl Fixation. Yep. So, Britt has been bitching at me for, hold on, hold on, hold on, for the last, I would say three weeks, like it has come up at least once a week, like, no, I haven't seen that movie, you said you were going to show it to me. In, in that exact tone. So, because of that, we are starting Brit's true film education. 
And we're kind of showing her the movies that, you know, when if you're a film buff, you think, oh, like everybody needs to see this. Um, so in order to do that, I started making a list and then I put the call out on Twitter. Like, what are the what are the must sees for a film fan? So we have a huge list. But that doesn't mean you can't send more. Uh, go ahead and find me on Twitter at PCK Study or send me an email uh, at popculturecasestudy at gmail.com and tell us what movies Brit needs to see. Um, so what we'll, do, what we'll do hopefully once once a week is we'll watch one of those movies together and then we'll have a little segment on the show where you talk about kind of your experience of watching the supposed classic mm-hmm. that everybody needs to see. Mm-hmm. Okay. So are you excited about this? Yes and no. Okay. Why yes and why no? Okay, well, to start off with, Dave has been, like, having this imaginary list, and we're going to say imaginary, because I keep telling him, yeah, because (laughs) I keep telling him that he needed to write them down, and we'd go through them, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, in the six years of our romantic relationship, and plus two years of friendship, Um, and we've gotten through some of them, but, like, things that still haven't happened, like Rent. Which get mentioned once a month. I don't think that's like a classic. That's just, no, I like musicals, right? But movies this like is... let's look at movies like Chinatown. Oh, that you haven't seen, the... like classics. Okay, but I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> Rent is the first. Thing. Well, that's because we just talked about it today. Yeah, and this is what happens: is like we'll have this moment and we'll be like, blah blah blah, movie. Oh yeah, we should have you watch that. Right. And then nothing. And it never happens. Um. So there's that. Um. I think I'm excited to see more movies. I don't know. You should be. Okay. It's be awesome. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I'm We're just test the limits of our, <laughs> of our, of our relationship. Our, our relationship. Like, what do you what do you mean you didn't like it? I don't. Yeah. This is this is where we're gonna like. So I'm gonna be yeah. like this close to you, like inches <laughs> from your face. What did you think? What did you think of? Okay. Chinatown? So this so this is part of the reason why I'm not looking forward to doing this because it's movies that Dave has already seen and enjoyed, which means during the entire thing he's gonna be watching my face. Yep. It's true. So he's just going to be watching my reactions, not the movie. And then I'm going to be like, self-conscious about watching. Why isn't she shocked? Oh, my God. What was moved? Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang? Was that the one? Probably. Oh, my God. So he per- picks the night where I am in the worst mood possible to watch one of his favorite movies. And that there was literally at one point where he's like, why aren't you laughing at this? This is gold. <laughs> and it's I'm like, this is stupid. You, it's kind of like how I react when you don't laugh at my jokes. It's the same thing. What do you... This is gold. How how dare you not laugh at this? I'm I'm charming. I'm yeah. Hilarious. So now at some point we have to figure out when I'm in a better mood so I can watch Kiss Kiss Bang Bang again. Yes. You're so I can redeem over. myself supposedly. That's right. Absolutely. All right. So yeah. So that will start uh, when we come back uh, from our hiatus, which I'll talk about right now. So I was looking at the schedule for the next couple of weeks and then uh, realized I have zero time. And when I say zero time. I mean zero time because he's leaving me because I am leaving. I'm basically gone for the better part of two weeks uh, on interviews for my internship and I get to find out uh, what I'm doing next year. (laughs) Isn't that fun? It's not terrifying at all. Yeah. So you know what people should never do if they're dating somebody who's in graduate school? Don't make a joke that you're going to be a graduate widow. Yeah, because because that shit happens. He brought that shit into the world. I really did. So uh, because of that, we are skipping a couple weeks um, but we'll be back, I think, like the third week of January. Um, I'm trying to remember what movie we're going to be covering. Um, oh, I think, if if I can actually finally see it, uh, we'll be covering Silence. So we'll be doing Last Temptation of the Christ, 
Um, oh, right. I keep forgetting what this movie is because you made me watch the trailer. And I'm like, nope, no. yeah, that too, is a note too bus. Too long for Brett. So we'll either be doing that or we'll be tying in uh, the movie L uh, with another movie uh, by this, with the same actress called uh, Violette. Is so L the one I'm not allowed to watch? That's the one you're not allowed to watch. All right. You cannot watch that one. Yes. Um, so we will be back, uh, but unfortunately we'll be taking a hi- hiatus so I can fly around the country and... Uh, try to convince people to uh, let me see patients, suckers. And buy me things. Yeah, I will buy you gifts from every uh, every place I go. Yeah. I promise. All right. Uh, anything else to add before we sign off? Um, don't do drugs, kids. Yeah, don't do drugs. All right. Um, so I'll talk to you guys in a couple weeks. And until then, I will be here diagnosing your favorites and judging you for what you watch. Yeah, we're very Tony up here. That's right. That's right. You got somebody beat. That's what's important. (laughs) That's right. As long as there's someone below you, it's okay. Yep. Exactly. Shots rang out. The police came. Mama laid me down the front line. And pray for Jackie's strength.